Good morning, good morning, good morning. Conversations with Alaskan Gardeners is back with you. Coming into your homes, coming into your car, and on your boats. We're out here everywhere in the airwaves. Margaret Tharp and David Lendrum from Landscape Alaska. We're going to have our conversations with Alaskan Gardeners this morning. This is a call-in show. 586-1800 gets you on the air with us. And we can talk about raspberries. We can talk about rhododendrons. We can talk about the lilacs that are in bloom everywhere around town and how many different colors and different kinds you oh, see. Oh, and you have to stop and smell them. They smell so good. Absolutely. We were doing a big project in the last few days, and there are lilacs abundant on the site. And, man, what an aroma. You just you know how they talk about sink into it. Stop and smell the roses. Well, stop and smell anything you possibly can that has a nice scent, and lilacs certainly fit that category. And there's very little that is as evocative of childhood, of old times, of going to see your grandparents. You know, that whole sense of of uh, remembering things, of having them brought back by an instant exposure to something else. Scent is really that. You know, it gets it gets right to all those hidden and, and long-ago memories. Brings you right back there. So it seems like the old-fashioned double French lilacs, right? That's what we, we most people have. The, not the dwarf ones. I'm not talking about the Korean ones, and I'm not talking about all the other specialty types. I'm talking about the ones that we grew up with. That's right. Our double French some are doubles, some are some single, are singles. but they are French hybrids, mostly bred by the Lemoyne family right. in France in the 1840s to the 1870s. Right. Yes. And all those dark blue, purple, big, the big kind that are all over the downtown. Yes. And the pink ones come from Canada. That's those, a different style. Which aren't right. as fragrant, but grow really big. Grow really big, different kind entirely. Yeah, become trees. Yes. So, so, so the thing about that is it seems like it's getting harder and harder to get those old-fashioned lilacs, or do you think it's only because of the pandemic that things are harder to get? Because, well, you know, people want to buy them, and even when you're down south, you just don't see them in other nurseries. It takes longer to grow them. Yes. That's where it comes down to. You well, can buy them, but you can buy them little. You know, it's hard to get... Remember when we dealt with those people in Yakima and we were yes. buying eight-foot yes. eight lilacs? Yes. We brought hundreds of those into town here, and they're everywhere. You, no, you can't drive down a street in Juneau and not see those trees blooming now. Right. Well, and realize that horticulture is just like uh, Paris fashion or London fashion or New York fashion. Everything kind of goes in a cycle. And what was popular... Uh, in the 1840s to the 1870s came alive again being really popular in the 60s 1930s and then in the 60s and then there's been a lull because there's been all this hybridization for smaller spaces and you're not doing farmhouses and manor homes and formal gardens and so now they've they've miniaturized a lot of plants that people like, like the Miss Kim lilac, which is a lovely lilac also, and very beautiful, but something that can be used as hedges and something that only gets to be six feet tall and six feet wide. It doesn't get to be 12 feet tall and 12 feet wide. That's absolutely true. It has to do with diminished space. It has to do with speed of production. And it also has to do with, with as you say, promotion. 
so, style and fashion. So you remember what thirty years ago we gave my sister Molly all those beautiful uh, French lilacs to plant around her then new home in Portland, and they grew to be beautiful, big. Yeah, and she was always known as the lilac lady because in the late spring she would pick big bouquets and take them around to her friends and now she's moved to the coast and she was asking me last night where can I go to get some more of those nice big lilacs and I said I'll have David research it for you but they're not easily accessible on the market all the time as a matter of fact I was just last night looking at the list from a lilac grower and thinking okay it's time for me to get these because we want them we want them and they are available now and i'm only going to be able to get them in the two to three feet high size but if people do want those we'll have we'll have access to them but you also could advertise in oregon and washington for larger lilacs and see if you couldn't find people who had some that they'd want to sell Let's make it complicated. Oh, God. Let's make life harder. <laughs> That's right. We're into it. Let's go for it, Dave. <coughs> okay. Well, we did just move some great big lilacs, salvaged them from a project, and moved them and provided them. And uh, Kathy Hall, I'm talking about you. You have the most beautiful lilac in town. So as you look at lilacs, I, I was contacted earlier this year by several people talking about pruning their lilacs. And the, the lilac has all those sprouts coming up around the base. And I always hear, isn't it safer or healthier or better to prune those off? And all I can say to them, it's all a matter of taste. You know, it's not, there's no, there's no horticultural reason why you would want to cut all those sprouts off except the way you want the plant to look. Because if you want the plant to become a great big mass, then you let those things grow and they'll all become blooming branches too. Because what part of what happens is as a a tree like a lilac gets old, it's going to lose branches. The snow and ice in the wintertime is going to break it off. And then when you have those sprouts at the bottom, those will be the next generation coming on to help fill that space. Even more significant, that big old single trunk the plant started with in many cases is now rotted at the base has been damaged has been injured is rotted at the base if you take a pocket knife and go down there and poke around in the trunk at the bottom of the lilac you most likely find spongy punky parts where it's you know it's it's still erect but it wouldn't take much of an impact to knock it over the plant recognizes this and so in order to have its life continue it's sending up new branches Right, and and also, not all lilacs are just single-trunked. I mean, they come from a trunk, but it branches early also down low. And and if it's soft down there, that's when branches start falling off. That they do. And you can, you can take the, uh, the big old trunk and saw it off at the ground if you wanted to be dramatic about it. Well, we don't want to be And let the whole dr- thing sprout Nobody up Nobody is going to want to do that. Or... If it's a multiple trunked plant, and maybe not, excuse me, I'm going to sneeze. And no, I'm not. <laughs> okay, so if it's, if it's a, a younger plant and it's got uh, multiple trunks, what they often do is to uh, begin pruning out the oldest trunks one at a time. And 
and the uh, cut them off, cut one trunk off this year, cut another trunk off the next year, and the younger branches come up and right. And you don't have to cut the that. whole thing down uh-huh. in order right. to get that rejuvenation pruning. Right. So well, anyway, it, and not only that, when the lilacs are blooming, the rhododendron starts. This is a beautiful time of year, and it starts now, and it goes through the 4th of July, and the peonies come on, and roses start opening, and you know, it's, we always call it the garden party. It's all over town, and it it's is. just starting, and even though it's a little late this year, it's going to be absolutely fabulous. And the apple trees are blooming now. Right. I was looking, I was looking in Lemon Creek. There is a huge, big, old apple tree in the backyard of one of those homes you drive along, kind of near where Tyler Rental is. And if you look over to the other side of the road, it's, oh, it's probably 15 or 18 feet tall, and that's as wide as that, and it's in full bloom right now. It just looks magnificent. Yeah. It's so exciting. Uh-huh. And the elderberries are blooming, and although the flowers are smaller this year than usual, they're heavily budded. And they look so pretty out there at the edge of the woods. Speaking of Tyler Rental, if you're out driving around, Tyler Rental is sponsoring and hosting a car wash today to uh, support one of the athletic teams. I think it's the, the Thunder the, Mountain women's ath- women's basketball team. Girls' but, basketball team, right? The, the, the high school. High, high school. So uh, go get your car cleaned. Everybody, I, I could certainly use it. My car's dirty inside and out. I use my Subaru like it's a truck. I need a truck. I washed my car once. <laughs> you have never. I washed, washed my car once. You did not. That's about the second week we bought it. You bought me a new car, truck. Second week we bought it, I washed it. Yeah, well, it was about ready to be retired. That was 20 it? years ago. <laughs> it was pretty True. retired. Okay, so uh, if you're on our email mailing list, you will have received an email today talking about the uh, nematodes to protect the rhododendrons. The rhododendrons are subject to a invasive pest that eats holes in the leaves around the edges. And that's the big black beetle that does that during the nighttime. But that's the adult form. The real damage is being done underground because the babies, the larvae of that beetle, are eating away at the roots. So we use a parasitic nematode that's native to Alaska, native all the way around the, the northern part of the northern hemisphere, but we put them on in much greater concentration. And they seek out those larvae and eat them. And they've just arrived. It's time to do it right now. Next month is prime application time, and they just arrived. So if you are interested in doing something like like this, come and see us. We have them available right now. So you mix them in a mayonnaise jar or some kind of jar with a lid and shake it up in water and dilute it that way, and then you just pour it on the drip line around your rhododendrons. That's how the application is. That's it, exactly. Do it for two or three years, and you want to build this population up in around your rhododendrons so that if any of the beetles do come and try and get established, they'll get them. And also, if you haven't really seen any of the dwarf blooming rhododendrons, it's something that, I mean, I know that we all have the big cast iron rhododendrons that had a hard time this winter and and they're beautiful i'm certainly not saying that um but the dwarf rhododendrons that we carry are really tough and you might want to add them to your garden edge because they are they don't grow as large as the cast iron hybrids and they certainly seem to take the weather a little bit better not only that they're shorter plants 
but they have flowers that are the same size. They're bred to have great big flowers on them. And the Yaku Prince and Yaku Princess and the Capistrano and the, the ones that are blooming right now are just spectacular. And many of them come out one color and change to another color once they're open. Right, and we have that Edith Bosley that's with dark purple. Yeah, that's going to be really beautiful. Uh-huh. And it's, um, I just love the rhododendron the, blooming time. The American, well, that dark purple planted with a deep red is a knockout in the garden edge. There is something about those color combinations. And as long as well, we're talking... if you're going to have purple, you have to have something that makes it pop. Otherwise, it recedes into the shadiness of the garden and our weather. And you know what else? As long as we're mentioning the dwarf plants, there are other kinds of dwarf things. And one of the advantages of dwarf plants is that it changes the ratio of the size of the flower to the size of the plant. So if you have something that's been bred to continue having big flowers on a smaller plant, you're going to have a lot more color in your landscape, a lot more color in your garden. So there's the dwarf Asiatic lilies are about to start opening. Yeah. Yeah, and they're yellow and orange and red and white and pink. And they're really pretty, planted with a stilby and uh, monarda and with salvia as a, a, as a flower border and some flocks, some midsummer flocks. Those things bloom all summer long, and they are, take care of themselves, and they're really, really nice to have. And, and I love the achillea also, especially the bright yellow. And most Juno gardens focus on springtime stuff. Right. And I go for midsummer because I don't have any time in the spring. <laughs> well, there is that. And also, uh, you've already got that. You know, that, part, that part's covered in most people's gardens. Then you have the opportunity to add a whole nother wave. And then another wave after that of flower that comes later and later in the season. So the uh, Master Gardener's Garden Tour is coming up in July. July 10, I think, is where they, where they have figured for it. That's always a fun event. And uh, if that's in your your scheme of activities, you can go on their website and buy a ticket. Tickets are 20 bucks, and they use that money to fund the scholarships they offer. Okay, this is a call-in show. I know you guys have questions out there. Give us a call, 586-1800. Uh, we have been thatching lawns. Ugh. <laughs> This probably has been... We. We. The royal we. Yeah, no kidding. We meaning you and your crew while I drive around in my truck. And say, too bad, I I have some place to be. Phone call. Oh, I got to go do something else while you do that work. We have been filling our... Oh, oh, hello. Hello, conversations. Uh, Yes, um, I'm wondering about holly. I like holly bushes, but... um, I don't know where to get those now. I'll hang up and listen. Okay. You're going to have to have somebody order them for you specially. There are hollies that are tough enough to grow here. And there's a hedge on Lemon Street of holly that's really a pretty looking one. It's the prettiest one that I know of. And when you have hollies, you're going to have to have something that's hardy to a zone four. Don't so, hollies have to be male and female? You have to if have you want both, to have berries? If you want to have berries, you have to have both male and female plants. Yes. And the, uh, there's a, a series of newly released hollies that are hardy enough for us here, but you're probably not going to find them in a mass marketplace. And if you want somebody like, like uh, us or somebody else in our business to get them for you, contact us, ask to get on the list, and have us specially bring them in for you. 
They're we've, beautiful. Plants. We've had hollies throughout the years, and everyone who's bought them has loved them. Yeah, and they've survived. And most of them, they've not made into trees, but planted as hedges. Yep, they're nice things. Speaking of of nice things, let's talk for a couple minutes about beautiful trees. Always have, one of my favorites. Absolutely favorite subjects. My favorite trees in Juneau are those big beech trees downtown. They are absolutely magnificent. There's one at the base of Star Hill that covers the street, that covers a city, uh, the lot that it lives in and goes over the, the lots next door. It's just a beautiful tree. And I had the opportunity 10 years ago or so, or maybe even longer, to climb up into it. It had to be longer. <laughs> Anyway. It's while those French arborists were living with us. Remember yeah. that? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Boy, what a, a <coughs> lovely tree. The bark is gray like elephant hide and smooth and, and it kind of ripples like muscles under it. It's just a lovely, lovely tree. And they're both copper beeches with purple leaves that turn red in the fall. Right. No, they are very, they're majestic. We have several available this year red leaf beech trees and if somebody's interested in a tree which will grow to be a truly magnificent specimen of a tree in your yard we've only got a few of them but they are absolutely stunning and in our own yard we have one that was selected because it never spreads out and makes a big wide tree it only grows straight up columnar it's a columnar form and it is it's probably 30 feet tall now it's really something well we've had it Almost 40 years. Yes, and moved it from place to place to place. We probably moved this tree five times now. Our traveling, our, our, our nomadic nursery. Uh-huh. Okay, well, it's an absolutely beautiful tree. And and uh, while you're there, you can see how the rhododendrons, the dwarf rhododendrons, are turning color because the very first ones that came out deep pink, I'll get back to that. Hello, conversations. I have two questions. Um my Miss Kim lilac did not bloom this year. I cut it back last year. You probably cut the flowers off of it because they f- form their buds right after it flowers. The traditional okay. direction is that you prune lilacs by cutting bouquets. And that tells you when you would prune it. You prune it when they're in bloom or right, right after. Okay. So, so if you look at the hedge at the Gold Belt parking lot at the foot of the bridge, yep. they trim the tops of that as a particular style, but by doing that, they cut all the flowers off the top. But so there are some some on the, the sides come through because they don't necessarily trim them as severely. But they'll bloom again next year. So I would say okay. feed it up. And look forward to next spring. And They're really, okay. it's not time for them yet. They're only just making flower buds now. If you look, oh. if you look at other people's Miss Kim lilacs now, the flower buds are not even open yet. There are little buds forming. But they're not open, and they won't be open for another three weeks or a month yet. They're a little late. Oh. They usually bloom oh, okay. around the 4th of July here. Oh, okay. Um, the second question I have is I some cuttings off of a hawthorn tree. Is there any chance I can rip that? Yes. 
It's not. It's not. Uh, you don't just stick it in the ground and it takes off. You know, right. you'll you'll want to put it into a mixture of sand and peat. You'll want to dip it into a rooting hormone. You want to cut it below a bud. You want to have the branches be the cuttings be maybe three or four inches long. We should have a longer conversation about this than okay. on the air. And there are plenty of online and and books in the library resources. There's a really good, very, very simple, with lots of pictures, drawing pictures, called Pirating Plants, which is in okay. in our city library system. I've used it several okay. times. All right. Cool. Thank you very much. More later. Now, one of the things, too, about taking cuttings... I took Mac Ruff's, my very beginning of my uh, landscape architecture education was I took a organic plant class from a man by the name of Mac Ruff at the University of Oregon. I remember him well. And he said that when you're out in the garden and you want to take cuttings of things, the timing of when you take the cutting is important, but that you can use simple things like a clear vegetable bag and a plastic take-home dish from some vegetable thing you get at the grocery store and make that a little planter. And you do the rooting hormone and you make the soil just right so it holds moisture but doesn't get too wet and heavy. And then put it in like a clear vegetable bag so that the humidity stays inside and makes like a little greenhouse. And it really encourages roots to grow, but you don't put it in the sun. It has to be in bright, indirect light, like if you have it in your house on your kitchen counter or something like that. And I've had a lot of success just doing little things like that. I know. Our house is always filled with little things you're rooting. (laughs) Every windowsill has little things you're rooting all the time. And I love it. I absolutely love it. It's something you don't, you know, you don't have to recreate the world. You can use things that you have in your, your own drawers to use them as horticultural assets. In my early 20s, I joined an international organization called the International Plant Propagators Society. Aren't you still a member? I'm still a member. I'm one of the eldest members in the organization. It's worldwide. No matter where I go, no matter what country I go to, I can go to somebody else, some other member, and go see their botanical garden, their nursery, whatever it is, their collection. Because, you know, part of the deal is I know I'll be welcome. They know I'll be interested. It's it's. It's, it's so one of the fun. greatest pleasures of my <laughs> life is doing that. <laughs> okay, so we're coming along in our time frame here. We've got a few minutes left. Uh, we are going to have summer hours. Beth has come back to us, and so we are able to be open from Wednesday through Sunday. I know we've only been open weekends in the springtime while school was on, but now school's out, and our staff is back in place, and so we are able to have customers at Landscape Alaska Juno's Boutique Nursery on the Back Loop Road. And basically the hours are 10 to 4, right? 10 to 4, except for Sunday, noon to 4. So, And if you need to come later, give us a call. We can make arrangements to meet or you. Or make an appointment for some other day. We yeah. can always make, make arrangements. You can always reach out to us and we'll accommodate you if we can. But anyway, so so there we are. So you can come other days than just the weekends but please do come out this weekend and and visit us we've got the nematodes available we've got the rhododendrons coming into bloom and we have some beautiful absolutely beautiful perennial plants just popping up out of the ground including 
bleeding hearts. People have been looking for bleeding hearts. We bought, excuse me, we bought a shipment of of great big bleeding heart roots and potted them up, and they're just beginning to grow above the soil surface, and they look great. And Jenna, if you happen to be awake, which I doubt, uh, I have your uh, <laughs> your hydrangea tree up at the nursery for you to pick up. Oh yeah, and, and the hydrangea trees are booming along. If this is something that you don't know about, you got to come look at these. These are a tree that starts blooming in July and still has flowers on it when the snow falls. This is a it's a small tree, but it's a zone two tree, so it's hardy to minus fifty degrees. And it likes it in the shade, as shade well as in the or sun. sun. Either one, and it flowers. The flowers start pale green. They ripen through pink to dark red, and it's a really really cool little thing. And we have a really pretty lime light down in the greenhouse that could come up in another we have to put it in a different pot okay we'll take care of that one too because it's big it's big big so to recap there's a car wash at tyler's the predatory nematodes are available dwarf rhododendrons are in bloom oh i didn't talk about sorbaria sem there is a dwarf spreading kind of border plant that looks vaguely like goat's beard but but has orange and pink and red colors in it rather than just green and it flowers it'll flower next month and it's uh it gets about oh three three and a half feet tall it would be a really good erosion hillside erosion plant it's a good one where for you that. don't really want it so much for the front of your border maybe you do but but when we've used any sorbarias, we've not used this particular one, but for erosion on roadsides and things like that where you want it to look prettier, it's great. If you've got a bank going to your roadway, your driveway, and you want to stabilize it and you want something that's going to be there permanent and it's going to have some seasonal color and show fall color, this is a really good choice. And not need to be taken care of. No. The, the care you take of it is every four or five years you cut it down. So how much more time do we have? Two, two or three, three minutes. minutes. Okay, because when we have done that kind of planting, we usually lay ladders down on steep banks and take the plants and dig holes in the gravel, plant them, and walk away, and they just thrive. They and do. You know, and we and, use those timer. <laughs> that's so unusual. Yeah, and we use time-release fertilizer tea bags made by the Canadians for this kind of use for mineral-poor soils in wet, cold climates. And these little tea bag fertilizer things have really transformed our success rate for doing this kind of stuff because you don't have to go back on the hillside. You only do it once a year. You but put also, these, pe- these plants take care of themselves. I think that they, like alders, <coughs> fix nitrogen. I can't say that scientifically that that's for sure, but long before the tea bags, they thrive. The tea bags are great for everything. And if you want lilacs, Get your information to me because I'm going to be ordering them this week. And uh, Cindy Smith, if you're listening to me, you're on the list too. Okay, we're going to going to uh, sign out this week. We'll be back next week. And uh, Margaret's going on to her projects with her team. I'm going to be at the nursery this afternoon. And Beth is there now. So until next week, this has been Conversations with Alaskan Gardeners. And we're wishing you all happy gardening.